Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. And for our next stop, we are joined by obstacle race enthusiast, ultramarathon runner, running journalist, founder of Caffeine Bullet and presenter on the Bad Boy Running podcast, David Hellard. With an eye on just having the same conversation they'd have down in the pub, the podcast quickly grew its following and features the most famous ultra runners in the world. He's also been presenting globally from the age of 13, from winning numerous startup pitch competitions to hosting at the biggest running event in the UK, the National Running Show. If all of that wasn't enough, David is the founder of Caffeine Bullet, an energy chew formulated for performance in endurance sport and a product that he took to Dragon's Den, an experience which we actually talk about on this week's episode. David has kindly offered a 20% discount to new customers of Caffeine Bullet when you use the code Outside and Active at checkout when you head to caffeinebullet.com and you can see the, the exact code and more in the notes of this podcast episode. This was such a funny conversation to have with David. Really, really glad to have him on the podcast. So looking forward to putting this one out. But just before we jump in, I want to say a massive thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Dry Robe. Keep exploring all winter long with the Dry Robe Advance, the original outdoor changing robe. Designed to allow you to get changed in any location, it offers the ultimate protection from what nature has to offer. The Dry Robe Advance's uniqueness comes from its super warm lining made with 100% recycled polyester. The fast drying lining ensures that it can be used numerous times throughout the day without the hassle of drying it between uses. This combines with a 100% recycled windproof outer shell and an eco-friendly water repellent treatment to create the ultimate high-performance changing robe. Their brand new product is available now and you can check out the full range of colours at dryrobe.com. Make sure to check them out. They've supported us, so go and support them. And with that, let's get straight into this episode of the Outside and Active podcast with David. David Hellard, welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. How are you doing? Really good, actually. I've got, got a cup of coffee. I've only done one podcast this morning. Christmas is days away, which um, I'm super excited about. It's exciting, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've basically had three years of being injured. And <laughs> I suddenly, like this last week, I've gone from being the pits of, of despair to actually thinking I now know enough that, Maybe I could run the London Marathon in in April. So what, what, yeah, good, what injuries good. have you had? I um I've, I had a couple, but the main one was um my my adductor was ripping away from my um from my hip, which then caused um, bruising of the hip and softening of the bone, and also the adductor was being ripped, kind of partly ripped off. So it's um oh nice, it's, yeah, it, it's complicated. Shall we say that? Um, particularly when dealing with the 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 systems of the NHS and and everything else, but hopefully hopefully there will be a return to full time training soon. Looking like we're on the fix. Good, good. Well, thank you for for coming onto the podcast. You're in full podcast mode, like you said. So um, so looking forward to, to chatting, and we're going to chat about all about your experience in running and how you've turned it from being just just something that you love to now something that encompasses all parts of your life and is a business interest but it's still that hobby so I'm looking forward to to going into that Um, but to start with I'm going to offer you a piece of advice and it's a piece of advice from someone who has been on the podcast before and they don't know who they're leaving it for and it's any piece of advice and it comes from a lovely man called Arj who's a sports nutritionist and coach and has worked with a number of different professional athletes and works with a lot of sub elite athletes that are aiming to be professionals and um, his piece of advice was to what is to stop worrying about the judgment of others because people are too busy to have a realistic judgment on you and I I quite like that because you're you know it's someone who's uh, in 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 a public eye in the industry is uh, and you're doing lots of things. Do you ever feel judgment, or do you ever are you, are you quite good at just going? I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm loving what I'm doing. Um, I, I probably should be more aware of judgment than I am, if anything. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think if you see some of the outfits I wear, but and, and almost I think bad boy running is is because we've. We've embraced um, the fact that we're silly and we aren't standard running. We go against a lot of other um, standard 
magazines, podcasts, content. So I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I'm, I'm not massively into social media myself. So I think that's a, a lot of where the pressure comes from. Yeah. But particularly things like running miles, Strava, it's so easy now. I've, I've, I've almost, because I've been running for so many years, my whole relationship with running in the industry hasn't been built off Strava kudoses or Instagram likes or TikTok views. And so actually I'm quite lucky in some regards that, that my foundations don't worry about judgment. And, um, but, but I think throughout my whole life, I've, I've been someone who's just almost enjoyed judgment, if anything. <laughs> I like that approach. I like that approach. And it's interesting about Strava. A lot of people that I've spoken to that have been running for a while now have started to take that approach where they just don't care about times. They don't care. It's, it's running for you. And it's it's definitely, I can see how people get stuck in that wheel of social media and Strava times and likes and all that thing. So like you said, you've you've grown in this industry not being not not relying on that social media presence so very very interesting and the next question for you is what do you love about being outside and active oh it's quite a big question really isn't it um it's almost like what do you love about life um could answer the same um i i've i've always lived in london for the last 26 years and so I think actually the the contrast between being outdoor and active for a city dweller is, is even you know people talk about the romance of living in Chamonix or the lakes, but actually I think it's far more romantic being a runner in the city because you you get more of a contrast. Um, I I genuinely love running in London. I find um, complete excitement and escape in. Things like doing a tempo run through the middle of a city, running down um, Liverpool Street, through the traffic, running through lights, fairly irresponsible in some respects. But (laughs) that to me is, it allows me to escape if I'm, it it burns off tension, if I have physical tension. Um, But also things like long runs have really allowed me to, process I, I do too much i i'm involved in too many ventures and and actually i think i'm far more efficient as a person because of long runs or slow running because it allows me to actually plan and analyze segments of my life and my business so that when i then come to do something I've, it's, I've had that hours of planning. Um, you know, people talk about ideas coming to the shower. I mean, unless you're spending two hours in the shower, that's nothing compared to what you get in a long run. Um, but th- I mean, I, being outside itself has its, its own rewards, and I, I do love that connection with beauty. And and running has allowed me to to go to new countries, and and being outdoors allows you to to explore cities and landscapes in ways you just can't and and I, I don't think anyone knows a city as well as a runner just to highlight a section of what you said there the idea of a slow run or a long run so we, we know what that is but just for someone who's listening that might just you know their idea of running might be the 5k and the 10k that you know people go mm. on to try and get like Strava times or just just you know try and get PBs how would you explain how what that long run or slow run is and then how your brain can start to to tick and and release yeah and and slow and long is is all subjective and in some ways not that useful but i if i if i was training incredibly hard where i'd be doing 120 125 miles a week or if i'm training now coming back from injury i'm doing 50 20 miles a week i probably only do two sessions that are hard i do an interval session and a tempo session. So an interval session is a short and super fast, trying to get quicker. A tempo session is where you're trying to run an increasing distance at a, a timed pace that might be a marathon pace, half marathon pace, with the intention of extending how long you can run at that pace for. Long and slow is everything else that's not that. So actually, when I run to work, or when I get off the train and run to work, that's a mile and a half. If I run to work, that's five miles. That to me is slow. 
And that just means I I don't know what pace I'm running. I could be in conversation the whole way with someone. Um, it doesn't feel physically exerting. And that could be massively different paces, depending who I'm running with. So I could run with someone who would, in their head, would say, I'd never run with you. You're too fast to run with me. Because actually, the getting faster is about time on feet to a certain extent and the whole ethos of 80 20 running is you should be doing 80 percent of your running easy that's that's debatable now if you're really top ends um but i think particularly for slow runners just going out and you running is almost the background activity where your 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 mind is not involved in running in any way your mind is free to do whatever it wants to do I like that. I like that. And you're, I mean, like you said, now you're in that part of your life where you've been running for for a long time and it's become more than just a hobby for you. And we're going to go into that, but you're really a jack of all trades. I mean, you say you, you do too, <laughs> too involved in too many ventures um, as well as enjoying the running and actually doing it, writing, presenting, you're an entrepreneur, but, but for all of that and before you, 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 you were what you are now, um, where did this journey start? How did you get into running and how did it start to develop? Well, I, so my dad's something called Hashas Harrier, which is the, it's the biggest running club in the world. Most people don't know about it. It's called uh, the running club with the drinking problem, where <laughs> they'll run from a different pub each week. They'll follow chalk or flower. And it's almost like a treasure hunt where the fast people get sent down dead ends or on loops and so no one knows how far are they running how fast they're running incredibly social really lovely and welcoming so i'd done that as a kid and when i was 27 or so i'd split up with my then girlfriend suddenly had a lot of extra time on my hands and due to my inactive lifestyle was starting to develop moves Mm -hmm. so i thought i'd join the hash did it i i seemed to i loved it but i i was drawn to the fact i was fast um i was working for accent at the time who we were doing a marathon together as a um as a charity of the organization so i did that trained for that and just fell in love with the process really i've been someone who hasn't really been structured ever in my life um the things i've done well at i've done well at because i'm good at rather than through hard work and the things i haven't been good at i really haven't done well at because i've not worked out at all and so running always gave me that structure where for the first time I was having to work hard to get achievement. And that has really transformed my life. So off the back of training for a marathon, I, I, I got reasonably quick, then created a, a race team, um, Innovate OCR that turned into British British Fitness Obstacle Race Team with um, people like John Alburn, who's now World Trail Champ, World's obstacle race champ um people like claire miller who won um sas are you sorry hell week ultimate hell week bbc show where i got humiliated by lack of press-ups you won that thing um and it that then kind of brought me into the world of competing as a team and competing in different events and fell in love with actually competing and and the community behind it and so did the podcast great cafe bullet um went on the golden trail series I presented for them and it just it's just kind of spiraled out of control in some ways from that it's like a broccoli it just sprouts and gets bigger and wider and your place in the industry gets gets wider as well but running is one thing and training for a marathon is 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 a massive thing and it's sometimes for for people it will be the biggest thing that they do in their life if they do a marathon Mm. ultra running is a is a different beast and it has different challenges and it's different mental approach and you've taken to that ultra world where did you start to hear about it and why do you love it so much actually the mds mandy Savs was, Mandis Savs was the, the first one where a, a friend of mine had talked about it previously a guy from the hash um, a guy called mark cartel who used to until this year have the record for the most peaks ran in the bob graham rounds in 24 hours he's he was first brit at the mds years ago and so i just thought i want to i want to be doing that and so that was always at the back of my mind as something that was on my tick box of things to do and so 
I, I then, the year I signed up to the MDS, started doing ultras and loved how, how different it was to a marathon. The training's not substantially different, actually. People think it is. You follow a marathon training plan, do an ultra. In fact, you could you do far less training and do an ultra because you're probably not running for a time. Failure looks different. Failure in a marathon is not getting the time that you your, your ego tells you you're going to do. Failing in an ultra, even even when you don't finish an ultra, is not necessarily a failure because it seems like ultras are more about the story yeah. you tell afterwards. And actually, it's 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 so much more about the journey. So um, yeah, I started doing doing ultras, and um, there's just so much more variance in the terrain, in the distances, in the experiences. There's so many more variables of what can go wrong. It's so much harder to master. And and that to me was what was so much more interesting as a topic to, to almost dedicate my life towards. And the our, our podcast isn't an ultra podcast, but certainly is more directed to that because the stories are so much more compelling. And I've just really enjoyed training to to perfect races and that is that that's what ultra can give you so much more than in a marathon i i peaked in 2012 i'm sure i could smash that time if, with the new trainers and actually since i've learned more about running now but you, you reach a peak fairly quickly where you think well do i want to do all that work for basically a few minutes for my ego so that someone who really knows about math and running down the pub will be like, all oh, right, rather than all oh, right. I mean, the, the difference is, you know, the, the, whereas an ultra is things like the Comrades Marathon, just it, it's, it's, a, it's a better race than any marathon in the world tenfold. There's so many better ultras than the best marathon on earth. That's that's a great way. That's one of the best ways that I've heard the step to ultramarathon and the view of ultramarathons given in terms of, especially that marathon time. Oh, right. Uh, oh, right. Like the, for you, it's everything. But those five minutes is, just, you know, five, five minutes if you're telling someone down down the pub and training for an ultramarathon, obviously physically got to or want to be in a certain shape. But it's also that mental side of things isn't it of getting yourself in the right position because you might hit a wall in a marathon but you might hit two or three in an ultra yeah absolutely and 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 actually there's I i think the most important thing with ultra is is knowing who you are and knowing who to listen to because I've I've not hit walls and ultras typically I I have on the MDS on the second day I I went out too fast in the sands um was running with Jason Slab guy super experienced and, and blew up ended up walking and crying lost my caffeine in the sand thankfully that caffeine bullet actually came out of that but um you you shouldn't really be following someone in ultra training if they're not someone who represents how you're going to be racing those ultras because say comrades for example i ran the whole thing i always knew i was i was going to train to run the whole thing and so my training looks very different to someone who is going to walk the hills or someone who's going to do a, a walk run strategy. And so the good thing about ultra is you can, there's people out there who have, have, have done each approach and you almost, because it's so much harder, it's just accepted. You can walk without it seeing as being, if, if you've walked in the London marathon, even if it's your strategy, people will hound you. But don't wear your name on your T-shirt unless you can handle it. There's nothing worse than having someone going, come on, Dave. And you don't know if it's sarcastic, slow clapping, cheering, or if they just have an accent that makes it sound like they're incredibly patronising. But it can be incredibly weary. Um, whereas an ultra, because you know you, you it, it, like it, it makes sense to walk some hills for everyone, the fastest people. Um, you can win the marathon of Sabs by by running it not much faster than a jog um, because it's so hard. So it allows you to walk and that changes how you approach your training and it changes how you approach your racing because you, you can plan for almost breaks. You can plan your nutrition around that. And um, it also means you, 
you can almost plan mental breaks and you know when you're going to be not running as fast and and so you can you can break it down into segments um so that the main thing in an ultra is about how to adapt for when things do go wrong because even if you have an amazing race get a pb they could have gone wrong repeatedly comrades um my stomach went so i grabbed a beer off someone halfway around because camille heron had told me that's what she did and it's it's just a different flavor in your mouth weirdly in my head i thought the bubbles are gonna like wake up my belly do something Um, yeah it seemed to work Uh, but also it was about taking action that was was keeping me positive. Um, in the MDS, I, I lost my caffeine in the, in the in the sands. I fell apart on day two. I, I genuinely thought I'd blown up the whole race, but I just stuck at it. And and I'd done. And I had experience in the past that really helps with that. Where I'd gone out and run um, the Pilgrims Challenge, which is a two day race across the South Downs, about thirty three miles a day, fair bit of well, actually, reasonable bit of climbing. And on, on day one, I'd, I'd fallen apart as well. I was going for the win and um, I just felt absolutely ruined by about mile 20. And I wasn't running. I wasn't racing that race. Um, I, you know, I maybe got drawn into it a little bit, but I was still doing it as a training run. And I just thought, what what is going on? I shouldn't I should be able to crack to crank out these miles at this pace. And I was going to quit at the end because I thought there's no point in going out on day two when 20 miles into day one I'm I'm really struggling mm. but I just thought give yourself a chance I've rested slept in well, a campaign in the school or something and I, I told myself if you're going to quit quit at the end of the first mile because then you can still you've got the logistics there you can come back and get stuff you can dot 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 but don't quit unless you know you can't run day two. And so give yourself every chance to do it. And um, a day two was absolutely fine. Um, I I was with, um, I think it was Ben and I were running together. And um, and he was like, mate, go off. Like, I'm on the toilet, go, go. If you want to go for the win, go for it. Like, that, fine. So, right, buddy, I'm not going to catch you up. I I actually, this is this is training. Come on, let's go together. And I felt so good. And that day too was, and it, it just reminded me that what's great about an ultra is you realise it doesn't matter how bad you feel. Weirdly, it just changes. Weird how it, it doesn't matter like how that. good you feel, it changes yeah. as well. And so you just you, you grow that resilience. And the resilience isn't almost that you get better at fighting through the hard times. It's just that you've it becomes easy to go through the hard times because you know they're going to disappear. Whereas until you've reached that point, you think the hard times just get worse and they don't. I really like anyone who's listening, who's not done an ultra before 10 minutes ago, listening to you talk about ultras compared to marathons have been like, Oh, this is so inspiring. This is so amazing. (laughs) And then five minutes later talking about having a breakdown and crying in the sand and losing your caffeine. And then having a breakdown on day one at mile 20 and going, Oh, okay, maybe this isn't exactly what I thought. And then you finished it quite nicely again with actually just, you know, there might be peaks and troughs, but within those troughs, you're going to come back up again. So it was a nice little sandwich of positivity there, <laughs> talking about but, again, but But those negativities are all caused by my own expectations. You could go out and run an ultra and um, you could do it, for example, I did the Bill Adams Marathon. You could do it the same way as that. So as trained comrades, we needed to be running um, back-to-back marathons. So Briggs and my missus and I, we went to... Um, we get to Brussels. We had a lovely day. Ran a marathon. Ran around Brussels for a marathon. Turned up at Beer Lovers and ran some extra miles because we needed to do more than marathon. And just went round having beers. Did a, a like an eight hour marathon because it was time on the feet. And that was wonderful. And you could do an ultra like that where it was only because I wanted to get first Brit at the MDS. I wanted to. Um, I had this expectation on myself at Pilgrims that I was going to just cruise it and smash it. That's why I was having a bad time because of the pressure I put on myself. Whereas if you go into it with the spirit of how I did the beer lovers, or I have done some, when I, when I ran the London marathon and was the, the, the fastest, that was leading the London marathon 400 meters. That was my challenge for the charity. I then just had to get in an under 310. So I knew that's going to be fine. 
So I just ran around London just having the best time because I saw all the Heathside support crew out. I was uh, chatting to other friends who were going to sub three or three or five. And because I didn't have any external pressure, there weren't any bad times Mm. because the bad time was only in relation to something else. And so if you if you don't build up that pressure on yourself and and you're a first option, just just turn up with an expectation of no expectation. I'm just going to see what happens. I might not even finish. And then you can stop and have a chat and have cake at the aid stations. And you can you can change your speed. You can, you can run slightly faster with a person if you're finding the conversation enjoyable. You can stop back if you're lonely. You can you can walk if you're knackered. But the, the whole failure is our own narrative. And so you get to decide if you're having a bad time or if you're failing. And knowing that actually means that you can establish rules where you never fail and you never have a bad time. I like that. I like that. We've, we've established your your running credentials and that you love it and it's a hobby still. So then how does a venture such as Bad Boy Running come about? And also what what is Bad Boy Running for someone who might not have heard of it before? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. So, so Bad Boy Running was... Um, I mean, I guess the lesson for how to get running as your career is just start doing things. So I I knew Jody, who was the, is the co-presenter of Babble Running, because I was born at work. I um, I saw an advert to help in PR for the CLA Marathon. I wrote to them and said, I'm sure I can help you with this. Wrote to Men's Running and said, look, let's we, we want you to send someone to come and do the CLA Marathon. They sent JD because he was JD was almost the Carl Pilkington of that magazine, and um, for some reason the organisers, because he came on late, just just neglected him. He had the he was staying in a place where he had to. When he finished, he traded his finishers medal with an old lady to get a bucket of water out of a well to give to him so he could wash in the dark in his room with no electricity, where there was no window, which meant the floodlit party that people were having every night kept him up. So he just had this horrific experience. And he, um, I delighted in how terrible his experience was. <laughs> so much that as I, this, this is, he became a friend for life. And we, we always thought there weren't really anyone telling the stories that we'd always have about running down the pub. So Bad Boy Running was spun out of that with trying to tell the side of running warts and all that that does exist in in many formats now, but but didn't in 2015 or 2014 when we started. Um, We said we'd we'd, we'd never make it longer than 20 minutes. It was never going to be all these rules that now that we we record twice a week and and often can do really long episodes. Um, I guess now it's it's. It's a community of of people who are kind of rebels, um, but also embrace magnificent failure and range from um, people that don't run and just sign up for things and order a pizza and have a beer and stay in bed instead to, to really high level athletes. So we will now interview the best runners on earth, but mm. also the people with the best stories. I like that. And what... When you say about going on the grain, going against the grain, because you touched on that earlier, and that idea of the community, you know, being, being rebels. What, what can you can you expand on that further? Well, we've we've um, Ali Bailey, um, who I've been fortunate enough to meet through the podcast. Um, she coined the phrase. I don't know if it's hers, but I think it might be. Is um, what was it? <laughs> dick around, but don't don't be a dick. Yeah. That's probably our ethos. Like we're, we're good people. We, you know, we 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 don't we never want to our actions to impact on anyone negatively. But we'll do things like I mean, I put on the beerathon, which is a a five mile, one mile lap um, race where you have a pint of beer and you have a British fodder after each lap. That's silly things like that. All will. Um, we've we've got a bet coming up where the loser has to smear peanut butter all down the back of their shorts when they run a marathon and put it all down their hand and their arm and run a marathon for it and That's and just do things like that where um, we're less obsessed with we, we do we do like performance you know I, I'm into my performance Jamie's really not mm. but we like we just want to have fun and en- and enjoy running and. And get the most out of running and 
that doesn't necessarily mean you know going to track and doing more intervals to to cut down minutes it does mean that for me sometimes but it, it doesn't always mean that so our community um is very silly and will i mean we've we've the theme music is what what's some silly story like we, we did an episode where it, we're talking about a valentine's card i'd sent to this girl i'd liked at school where i'd, I'd, I'd cut out the letters to do an anonymous valentine's card because at the time that's what you did and um it gone terribly wrong because I said, watch Reality Bites, this film about two friends who were in love, who should have got together. So I thought if I wrote that in the, the Valentine's card, that would, um, she'd, she'd be like, oh, this is a film, Reality Bites, I'll watch it, she'll see it, she'll be like, oh, I should, I should maybe value my friends more. She realised it was me, we'd yeah. fall in love. Um, but she thought, she saw it as kind of a veiled threat. <laughs> <laughs> and and, um, and we're on another podcasting one called Gen- 10 Jump Miles, and it, um, they they found the story very fun, and I, I'd actually um, I'd been on a session all day drinking, so I, I maybe a bit more loose lips. We ended up calling up Gypsy on the podcast, and she it turned out she didn't actually know the the letter was from me. Oh, really? And so so we had this this so this has now become a thing where um, Gypsy's now part of the the story of the podcast. We have almost our own lex, lexicon where, for example, if summiting is if you get your end away on a during a race um wow not 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 and so it's where yeah it's it's i should have thought of good examples but, but no they they are it's um, it's revitalized it's keeping the fun in in running in a, in a in a community which is amazing but can be very stressful and competitive but it's you're mm. absolutely bringing the fun and the energy and if anyone's listening has been to the national running show in Birmingham they will know when they've been or even if they they haven't sat in the ultra stage even if you've been in a close proximity to the ultra stage you know about the energy and the fun that is taking place by by you guys who you know you host host it um with bad boy running on the ultra stage and that that kind of works quite nicely with how you've also then added presenting and hosting into your repertoire of things that you do. So kind of a twofold question there. How did, how did that come about? And then also chat through the experiences that you try and have and create on the ultra stage with bad boy running. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's luck. Um, but then a lot of it is, um, if you're, if you're everyone to, if you're everywhere to everyone to have at all times, then the you know, luck kind of creates itself. So, um, because we've established a community and we've we've been successful with the podcast, then the golden trail was purely we interviewed Greg, um, and actually it's partly how my mind works. I interviewed Greg, who was the athlete manager of Salomon, because I thought if I interview him, it's interesting to hear about how athletes are managed and how the contracts work and things like that. But also suddenly. Greg could then get me in with Killian and do an interview with him and could get me in with Remy Bonnet and could get me in with Steve Angerman and, um, and, you know, Mort and, uh, and Judith Reader. And, and so um, he came on the podcast of a really good episode talking about bringing trail running to new countries, as he has done with Salomon, you know, in Nepal and, and finding athletes like Mia Rai um, and bringing them into international prominence. Um, but he just needed someone and thought, who can I, who can present the golden trail? Who can could do it in an entertaining way? Who actually got passion for it? And he just emailed and said, do you want to do this job? I was, I was driving on my mini moon with Briggsy and just read the email and just went, oh my God. And Briggsy thought it was bad news. And it was just the email saying, David, do you want to come and travel for, for seven weekends and just report on the gold trail. We need to start in two weeks. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it's just as simple yeah. as that. I guess I, I, it, because of because I'm not tied to a full time job that has allowed me the freedom to do stuff like that. Um, things like the presenting the running awards was was because just because I helped Sam out. Um, I knew I knew I'd, I'd said to Sam, do you want to do a live podcast from the running awards? We had um, it was very silly, very fun, and just became friends. And whatever we needed advice on, 
potential sponsors, how to contact different brands. Mm. I'd be like, oh, there's that person, there's that person. Um, I guess if you're just in the middle of things and you know everyone, and I, you know, I, I, I do like everyone in the industry. I think I'm quite, I think my biggest, I'm lucky that I just love people. Like I really love all people. Um, I find boring people quite interesting. I just find a way to make them interesting to me. Or uh, and actually, no one's that no was boring. Everyone's interesting if you find the right topic. So, um, good. I think I've just, I've just, I, I'm lucky in that I, I genuinely love people, and that means that I hopefully am friends with most people, and that means when opportunities arise, they know you, yeah. they want to work with you, and and people want to work with their friends, right? Definitely. And it creates in, entertainment. I mean, the entertainment, again, and, and the ultra stage, I, I think it was it was last year at the show where I remember I was on the completely other side of, of the show and I see a man running round. And I'm, what's, what's, what's going on? Ten minutes later, another person running like their life depends on it. Round the edge and what, what's going on? And speak to the, to the person who does the content. She said, I, I think bad boy are doing laps and they're timing people and and you were you were doing laps and timing people it was amazing and then you were also doing beer downing competitions and keeping times for that i mean it, it's great energy where do these ideas come from is it just again that idea of trying to have fun and trying to do something different um i th- i think almost ideas uh you train your brain into it where I, I used to work in television development for a while and um i think most people think of you're creative, you're not. And that's just not true. You, in the same way, it is a skill. And um, there's one guy named Paul Shesimo, who's one of the most creative people I know, worked in TV development, but he's worked with him. So he's, for example, written a book called Fifty Shades of Grey, where it's the different spelling of grey than the film. And it's a it's a, a notebook with 50 different coloured pages of grey. So he's he's made a business of coming up with ideas for that. And that, that did incredibly well. But... Um, we used to in TV development, you'd you'd have a bag with lots of TV shows and you'd pull two pieces of paper out of the bag and you'd say, how do I cross um, a, how do I cross Gardner's World with X Factor? You've suddenly got a new TV format. And so it's forcing together ideas. Mm. And um, so, for example, the, the running, the lap is just top gear with running, right? Um, and that's that's what Martha talked to you. What would you what would your fastest mile be? They asked their guests. And so actually if you if you can't think of anything, if you can't think of ideas, just just think of your favorite things. What do people love? How do you um and just start pushing things together and you suddenly you suddenly come up with lots and lots of ideas i mean i I think my brain does work slightly differently anyway (laughs) and it always goes towards the naughty the naughty thing to say it's the the, you know the chimp on your shoulder my chimp my i'm the chimp and the (laughs) the thing on my shoulder is probably all the things that i yeah that's the thing i should be listening to more in my life um but yeah creativity is 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 actually it's a process and um you know we we've been with caffeine bullet we've been coming up with some some new um ideas where my team i'm asking to write scripts about about us against other products like red bulls or coffees and just it was uh, they're they're struggling to come up with jokes like well just coffee Think about to get a list of every type of coffee. Analyze what's the ingredients of coffee. Analyze all the shops that sell coffee. Come up with all these lists and think of how to twist those words into new words, or think of words that rhyme with those words, or think of and think of when that's part of another word. And suddenly, there's all these there's thousands of ideas there that are all quite funny because a lot of creativity is is just you you hear something that someone's thought about for a long time, but it comes almost it's off the cuff. You're like, wow. I've not thought of that. That's the humour. So um, that's that's how you're creative. Just force, just get lists and twist. That transitions quite nicely into Caffeine Bullet. Tell us what it is and how it came about. So Caffeine Bullet is a an energy tube. So it's it's got more caffeine than a Red Bull, but it's it's in a, the form of like a chewing. And the caffeine's absorbed as you chew. So it means it kicks faster, which not only means when you're running, or when you're outdoors, you you get that um, that lift faster. Um, but also, 
it gets out of your system quicker so you can sleep at night. And um, and, and the caffeine bypasses your stomach, so you're less likely to, to need to run off and have a poo mid-race. Yeah. Um, that actually started on that day I broke down <laughs> in the desert. Um, I, I've always used caffeine when I raced, and I used to cut out Pro Plus tabs, yeah. partly because um, – by the time you want caffeine in a longer race, endurance races, your stomach's often shot. So having to neck caffeine gels just was was unfortunate. I'd also had an experience where I I needed the caffeine and I'd just taken a gel and like, ah, oh, I can't take another gel now. I'm going to have to wait half an hour for my stomach because of that 60 grams per hour rule. And so I, I, I decoupled my caffeine from my my carbs because they're, they're completely different timings and um i cut out pro plus tabs in the desert i popped it and i lost it in the sands and that's why it started that's why it started that that de-escalation to um that spiral down to the crying um thankfully i was wearing like cool desert shades so people couldn't just see how many tears were flooding there but um and that's when i thought like why isn't there a product that allows you to to take strong caffeine during exercise, particularly as like the gels at the time, like the goo gels were 20 milligrams, 30 milligrams of caffeine and your optimal caffeine dose, like study after study is between three and six milligrams of caffeine. So if I was racing at 70 kilograms, that's 210 kilograms for your, for the bottom edge of that. I've actually found five milligrams works best for me. Um, but that is an insane amount of caffeine to be having. That's three Red Bulls to take, to get to your office. Like, how do you do that in a race with mm. 20, 30, 50 milligrams gels. Um, it's just impossible. So that's why we developed it. 100 milligrams of chew. So you can, you know, one to two milligrams, you can still get real performance benefit from. Um, and, and I wouldn't recommend anyone does their optimal dose unless they've tested it and only for their A races because, I mean, I tend to go out clubbing after I've, I've raced because um, partly because I like to celebrate, but it's partly because I'm, you know, still got the energy. buzzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I need to because I'm not sleeping for days after that. So <laughs> I can I can certainly vouch for the you were kind enough to send through some caffeine tablets to our office a while ago and they work. They they give <laughs> you that caffeine here and it it did help with my run <laughs> definitely. So it's I can absolutely vouch for that. And how did it start to grow? When did you realise okay, there's a real interest in this? And then obviously led to you then making an appearance on Dragon's Den asking for more money to then grow it, basically. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's been a it's been almost a random journey where uh, so it started as a Kickstarter. I went on LinkedIn. I found someone who's a food scientist, asked them for advice on how I can develop it. Um, and actually, I went to someone who, who'd done sweets before because I, I knew that caffeine's super bitter. So I wanted someone who understood tastiness more than the science background because mm. i knew the sports science of it um we did a kickstarter to to raise initial funds and and because of the community through obstacle racing who were just so so wonderful actually so such good people so fun um that was almost the customer base so through that they came up with the first someone else came up with the phrase the give fatigue the bullet it's now there's a personal best every pack um, a friend from that, Kim, she helped with the design. Um, and we almost crowdsource the the ideas behind Elements Bit, which then grows your community, grows the, the customer base. Um, but it, it probably wasn't until about two years in that Briggsy, my, my now wife, was, um, because I had the podcast, because I've, I've got various other interests, she was like, you need to make Caffeine Bullet be a, be a business that, I can have a baby with <laughs> and take time off work or you need to get a proper job because you're playing at the start. And, and actually for the first couple of years, I was really planning at being startup. I'd done a startup previously. Yeah. It's very easy to almost romanticize the, the notion of being a startup founder. And there's all these communities and there's, there's events. You can be a speaker at things. You can be competitions, but no, it means that you're actually being successful for like, for, for getting a long-term financially stable career. So she kicked me up the ass and I, I started working hard at it. And um, Amazon really helped with exposure there to a new market. Um, and then, but it's 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 a product that we're quite lucky because 
you you notice Kathy, and we're also involved in people's the moment of of their life that they're the most proud of. Mm. You know, when someone sets a personal best, when someone races, when someone has a really good training session, I I can tell you every training session that I've been buzzed about and that mean more to me than some of the races or every race, you know, I know my times to the seconds because it's proud such it. a, a part, such a part of your story. Like it, it takes months and months, years and years to achieve those things. And the fact that we're part of that story, because we're that extra kind of three to 5% in performance, it, it means that it is very viral anyway. It's word of mouth. It was different. It was better. So we, we've just grown through, partly my community, part of my network, but also just people telling people, I think we've got a good brand name, the product works. And then um, Dragon's Den was more about, I, I mean, I love publicity, as you probably figured out by now. Um, <laughs> I also just find things like that fun. Um, and I'd always back myself to come across well. Um, not always true, <laughs> if you look at yeah but um yeah but i i also i i genuinely wanted advice because i've I've worked at well i've I've never really scaled a manufacturing business and it's it's really hard Mm. it's i think the hardest thing about being in a small company is that it's if i think from the outside it's what are your challenges to growth but it, it feels from the inside like Everything is putting out fires. Everything is constantly going wrong. And you almost have to do so much work not for things to collapse in, in on themselves. And, um, for example, the chew, when we first, this it, is really hard to get the balance right. And so the, the, the chocolate orange one, we reduced the caffeine slightly to 85 milligrams, um, which made, but because of the formulation of it, it was slightly firmer than the mint. Right. And, we, we didn't realize that in the freezing cold of a Canadian and North American winter, it turned into basically a solid form that cracked and was, and, and we didn't know that. We'd never tested that before. And so we got all these negative reviews in Canada suddenly where people thought it was stale or it was a very different experience to right. the one they'd expected because as soon as the product's different, they think something's wrong with it, not that the, the conditions for that. And let's say you have a chew it at minus five. It's not chewy. It's like it's shardy. And yeah. so we suddenly got all these one-star reviews that affected globally ourselves. And even now our, our reviews are, are down from a, a 4.5 or a 5 on average to a 4 because of because those reviews globally have impacted ourselves forever. Yeah. And um, so things like that, things that we have issues with the rat, all these things that you're firefighting. And I went on Dragon's Den to to really get their advice. And I, I, I the money was less of an issue because we've 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 always, I've always been conscious of, of not spending more than we make. Um, and, and being very tight on in that regard, which is why our marketing's not been that. It hasn't been. We haven't sponsored many events or those things yeah. until until this year, as, as we've grown, because just because the product sells now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really I, I went on there for Tej, who wasn't on the, the series that we were then on. Oh no, because because he's Mister Vitamins, and I I just yes. wanted his manufacturing experience to how I could. How I could scale, and and we're we're not in Sainsbury's, we're not in Tesco's because we we don't want to go in there until we know we can produce the same quality at scale. Yeah, being scale able to yeah. do, mm. yeah, and and we just, I th- I think in about three months we'll be able to do that, and um, we've got a new product out coming called Ginger Rolls, which is so good that we will be able to do that as well, but. I've needed their experience and their, I wanted their experience, their knowledge, their contacts. Um, and so that's, that's what we went on and thankfully it worked out really well. Yeah. I mean, we started with judgment at the beginning of the podcast and that idea, but when you're going on there, you are basically putting your idea and your life and soul there for them to break down. Cause that's their job. They're trying to break it down, see what's wrong with it. And then they can make an informed decision to, whether they want to invest or not, but how how was that experience? Because I know it. If you, we see ten minutes of it, but you're there for an hour and a half, or an hour or so. 
Yeah, I mean, it was an hour, and I think an hour, he knows. I was genuinely nervous, mm. and and that is rare for me. I don't get nervous about selling stuff or speaking in front of people. But I've been doing it since I was a child. So, um, you know, you, you, I, you could put me in front of the Olympics, two billion. I'd be fine with that. I wouldn't get nervous because it's I, I, I know – I don't have to worry about representing myself because I'm used to being myself and it seems to be a case, thankfully. But on there, it's, it's an advert for 4 million people. And if someone doesn't like it, they are advertising negativity to 4 million people. It, it can crush your brand. It can crush your business. So I was, I was genuinely worried about that, particularly because um, it's, it's a product. Caffeine is something where some people don't respond to it at all. 10% of people don't respond based on their DNA. So oh. someone could try it and say, these are rubbish. It, it hasn't done anything for me. I can then explain about stuff, but it might not make the edit because that's not, it's not snappy. But, um, and so it's just a massive risk going on there. Um, and because of that, I almost, I tried to think what, how can I position myself in a way that they'll hopefully think this is a nice person. So I sang a song that was terrible because I just thought at least they know that I don't take myself too seriously and I clearly don't think I'm a great singer. And so I'm positioning myself as like, guys, I'm here to, I'm here to, to be honest about stuff. Um, it almost didn't work out because Deborah, who was the dragon I wanted, we've, we've really struggled with trying to get fully um, sustainable packaging and it's it's just impossible at our scale without we'd, we'd if we could do it but the packaging would cost more than the product itself so we'd have to double the prices and, and people would buy that effect. price yeah yeah so so we went I, I went I wanted Deborah to help me with that actually I wanted Deborah because she's my favorite dragon I just think she's brilliant I think she's a, a, like a, a thoroughly moral person and, and a yeah. nice person as well um and for some reason she just hated us um from start to finish she just she didn't get the product she for some reason she thought i'd um i'd almost boxed her as just being environmental and even though i'd said you know she's a great product as well she she was just just really didn't, didn't like us mm. yeah which happens i guess in life um i couldn't win her back with with a cheek smile, which I normally do. Um, and so, yeah, she she tore us apart. And, and that's when I was quite nervous because often when one person goes, it sets the tone and others follow. Yeah, it does. But thankfully, Sarah Davies actually saved us. Um, she's a runner. Um, she's also a lovely person as well. And, and she really bought into the the idea of it, particularly because it's, it's, it's low calories. It's like 27 27 kilo cow so you can train fast in and for her that was super exciting like how do i get motivated to to, to exercise yeah. without taking on calories um but yeah we ended up with um when deborah tore me apart the way i'd responded which none of it was in the edit that made peter get on board because I, she she basically tore apart our packaging the, the size of the labeling all these things and she was completely right on everything she said and so Throughout the whole thing, I was like, yeah, okay, good point. We'll change that. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And um, I think that meant Peter wanted to – I think he realised that he knew that I knew I didn't know a lot of stuff <laughs> and wanted help and was almost – was not just prepared to listen but wanted to – like I was yeah. asking questions. And so that for him I thought was the most important thing. And, and Stephen – he goes to the gym. He liked it because he gets it. And um, and he also gets the power of social media, obviously, and that, that it could be very viral because of, of the place the product can have in someone's life and, and how they share it. So it worked out well in the end. But, yeah, it was – I was nervous. And, nervous as hell, yeah. And they've been – especially, like, so Peter and Deborah have been doing it for years, so they know – they know any sort of person, an entrepreneur that comes in there. So if they pick up on you, again – if you present yourself and you as honest as possible, you, they know you want to learn. They know you just asking questions have good values. They're going to pick up on that. And most of the time they say they're investing in you. Obviously the product's got to work, but they're investing in you as well. 
so overall a positive experience on uh, for, for you and caffeine bullet on on that show then and i mean if we're honest the dragons can't really lose um they don't say that but we're seis or eis most companies are and so if they're if they're their investment gets lost they just claim they just write it off as tax they don't lose any money and the uplift of the show typically is massive um we were we were positioned as very elite i think for the ease of of the narrative of of the episodes and to just to make a more concise story and so our sales were good but nowhere near what we'd been led to believe based off some of the other companies they'd invested one company i know did two years worth of sales in two hours in two hours in two hours imagine that imagine that and so the dragons know yeah by the nature of investing they'll earn their money back in the growth of the company anyway from the sales in the next week or two it's well positioned wow it's it's really not a risk from their point of view like it's zero risk to start with but the uplift of the show is is obviously massive anyway so amazing oh an amazing experience Good, good. Well, yeah, yeah. R- rounding all of this into to, to a summary, we started with how you got into running, how it became a love of yours, and then have then spoken about how you've transitioned into it being a number of different business ventures and it becoming life. So what are some of the things that you've learned over that transition? Would you do any, I suppose you wouldn't do anything differently. But it, it, I it, do then, loads of things differently. Oh, you would? Yeah. You would. Oh, my word. Yeah, massive. Every day. Every day. Um, I think the main thing is that just start trying things. Everyone, it, it's, the culture is changing in life. In, in, but side hustle is becoming more of a, a common word, a common theme. Mm. Um, start, start doing what you enjoy doing. And start being creative and start testing the things. You know, the by the time Kathy Bullet happened, I'd done a t-shirt company where I design. I still wear t-shirts that I design. I can't draw, but I pay someone Fiverr to to draw the designs I've done. Um, then we I created a product for running teams if you're doing adventure racing where it connects between two camelbacks to speed up the slower person by the first person dragging them works really well that was called camel toes so i've done that i'd um i've been writing i've written for men's running because i approached them and said look can i and thought how can i write an article so i then said they probably want an article about a crazy event that no one else is doing so did that um just start start doing things because you're not only there's not only you up 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 upskilling um by trying all these new adventures, but you're you're gaining confidence and it's gonna bring you into contact with new people. And so you, you never know what the opportunity is gonna be. And caffeine bullet might not be the ultimate. I think Ginger Raw's our new products is gonna be bigger than caffeine bullet. It's so tasty. Um but you 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 can't don't start the journey thinking it needs to be full time but don't start the journey thinking you know the end of the journey because you don't and so just get cracking whatever that's stopping you if it's knowledge google go on linkedin send someone a flattering message that's short saying you're great at this i want to do this can i buy you a copy can i pick your brains can we have a call because you're, you know, I, I could do um, brain surgery. All I'd have to do is message someone who did brain surgery and said, come and do brain surgery with me. Job done. Suddenly we're doing brain surgery together. Um, and so I'd say just start doing things earlier. And um, you really don't know what direction things are going to take you in. And um, I the running award sadly doesn't look like it exists anymore, but I ended up being the presenter of the running award purely because I suggested writing, doing a podcast from there. The golden trail was because I wanted to do bad boy running and we loved bad boy running. And, and I think our, our, our entertainment, our, sorry, our enthusiasm for it came across my, I, I didn't know anything about trail. They didn't know that. I knew, I knew stuff about ultra, but primarily American ultra. 
um, and UK object. So I, I didn't know. Any, like, I'd never heard of Sierra Zanow before. This is, which I'd tell some of the athletes of that, and they're amazed. I didn't know half the athletes' names. I didn't know any of the history, but that wasn't important. The important thing was um, that kind of that passion and the connection. So, but but mostly be generous to people, like help others, but, but not expect it to come back. Um, and I mean, even now at the run show, we, we're doing the ultra stage. We take it, you know, we don't make money from that. It's, it, we, I, we do it cause I love it and it's really fun. And the podcast has never made a, a penny, but everything else has, has come because of that. Um, and the running club is just because people wanted to do it like be generous in your time help others in the things you love doing and it it just rewards itself and if it doesn't you're gonna you're gonna make for better friends you're gonna make make more connections you're gonna enjoy it more anyway david thank thank you so much i've got one quick question before i ask you for your for your advice i mean you've given some great advice there but <laughs> your advice for the next guest uh, a quick question yeah i was, I was going to ask it earlier but what episode of the bad boy running podcast if you had to put it in a time capsule lead lead surroundings bury it and it gets dug up in a hundred years whatever what episode would you want to for whatever reason put into that capsule good question um i'd I'd probably say the a to z of, of of bad boy running it's um it's actually three episodes, but and it would it, it, it it's the one that would just set us apart from everything else, for good or for bad. So <laughs> it's almost like a soap opera, the podcast where people we talk about our guests, we talk about uh, Mike's Mike's been on it, we talk about Mike C, we talk about people in our lives. Um, it's got me in trouble with the missus before, and. We've reached a point where we'll still get now. We've I don't know how many episodes you've got, four hundred or so. People go back and start from the beginning. Even now, we've if you look at the number of downloads of early episodes, it, it was the middle. People are doing it from A A to Z because it, it's the story of our lives, but also the development of the community is in there. And um, so to try and help people shortcut that, we did this thing called the A to Z of Bad Boy, um, where we thought we'd explain all the stories to do with. Catherine Ryan, or which is another one that people don't know about, which you happens to that, and all these mysteries and silly jokes and to do with punching G Law in the face. Um <laughs> and and so we thought we'd we'd record everything, what the term like aggressive cornering, what that means, and all, all these little jokes. But we didn't realise how many there were, and it ended up being I can't remember how many hours of content, but we had to split it over three different episodes. Yeah. So, um, but it's 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 basically a best of of very very funny silly stupid stories, which I think if we've had some amazing guests, we've had some interviews I've been really proud of in like Chrissy Wellington one where she she revealed about being bullied when she first joined with the triathlon camp. She hadn't talked about it before. Um, we didn't know that conversation was there, or, or Charlie Webster, and just some of the stories in there that just through opening, just asking questions differently, or um, with Jim, where um, Western States winner, and he talked about he was his his was how he got into running, and it was incredibly emotional talking about he had uh, he was done for for drink driving. And that set him up in the uh, a, a nuclear base um, in the army. It just meant his life was hell from that moment on. And that was just just an unbelievable episode to listen to. But there are loads of podcasts with amazing episodes, with great interviews, with great guests. I think what stands us out is the the silliness we bring to it, and that is the A to Z of, of Bad Boy Running. The silliness, absolutely. So go go and check out Bad Boy Running podcast. You could listen to like start with the the A to Z, but listen to all that back catalogue. <laughs> but for all of the other stuff that you do, um, where can people go to find out more about David? I'm I'm not really on there very much. I don't just Bad Boy Running. I I I, I hide behind Bad Boy Running. I've I've got an Instagram account. I don't post. I, I, I'll do the odd Facebook thing, 
Um, but feel free to message me on you know, any of those if you've got any questions. Uh, I do have a website. I don't really update it. Um, it's there. <laughs> it's there. It's there. It's there. <laughs> caffeine bullets are the usual things. The main thing I'd say on caffeine bullet, if, yeah. if you're training for a marathon at the moment, we've rewritten um, the the best marathon training plans now. And we've looked at 80 20 running, introduced that. We've actually looked at the weekly mileage. We've looked at the increase week on week. We've analyzed that. We've analyzed the number of easy miles. We've also um, analyzed the intensity buildup, the AC WR ratio um, month on month. And so I genuinely think now we've got the best marathon programs on earth from sub nine all the way down to 230 half an hour increments sometimes 50 mile increments and um we've also got free training programs with those where each week you get an email that talks about a different topic relevant to your training of that marathon training program so we'll talk to um guillaume millet who analyzed fatigue in utmb as part of his thesis to understand fatigue, we we speak to um, Professor Andy James to talk about the physio- physiology of Paula Radcliffe and dot 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 to um, and so you'll you'll get all the training plans with that. So those are the things that that free we can offer. Probably the best thing we can help you guys with. Amazing, amazing, David. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all of the information and interesting things that you've spoken <laughs> about on this podcast. And it's as as expected a very very good time with it, with some laughs in there. The last thing that I need from you is a piece of advice that will be given to a guest coming onto the podcast in the near future. Um, I'd say stop doing the things that you think you have to do or you're not very good at. Instead, find someone else to help you with that, whether that's outsourcing to indonesia for three dollars an hour or asking a friend and put all of your time into the things you like or the things you're good at because that will improve your life far more than having to spend stress time and energy on things that someone else can do for you faster and better than you can do yourself that is a perfect way to end this podcast. David, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Dominic. Thank you so much to David for coming on the podcast. It was such a funny conversation. I've wanted to have him on for ages. He, like I said, speaks at the National Running Show, and uh, which is connected to Outside and Active, and such a, a, a fun, joyous conversation. And it was great to have him on. So thank you to David for coming on, but thank you, for listening to this episode if you think you know someone who would enjoy this podcast just as much as you loves being active loves the outdoors then please forward this on to them i really want to grow this community i have such a great time recording this podcast and i want it to affect as many people and to inspire as many people as possible you can listen to the entire back catalogue of the Outside and Active podcast now. Search it on your choice of podcasting platform and listen to the amazing guests that we've had on in the past, just like today's episode with David. We'll be back next week with another episode. I've been Dom and until next time, enjoy the outdoors. Outdoors.